first reading is Romans chapter 13, verses 8 to 14. Let no debt remain outstanding, except the continuing debt to love one another, for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be, are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this, understanding the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 to 13. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there, with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you for welcoming me back. It's been um, a great time at Fairfield, and while I haven't been here, I've certainly been praying for you all and remembering you regularly in my prayers. So I haven't been here in the body, but I've been here in the spirit, as Paul would say. Uh, But I've recently come across the story of Svetlana, and I hope I get her name right, Tikhanovskaya. Uh, Svetlana Tikhanovskaya, and I wonder if you've ever heard of this woman. On the face of it, she seems like an ordinary woman. Uh, She's a mom married with two kids. By uh, profession, she is an English teacher, and um, her, her schedule is like most of our schedules. She does things like dropping off kids at school, uh, going to different appointments, and cooking dinner. 
But in addition to this, she also is unofficially the elected president of Belarus. And she lives as a refugee in Lithuania. How did this happen? Well, Svetlana never wanted to enter politics, and it really happened through her husband, but he didn't want to enter politics either. What happened was many years ago, he wanted to buy a house for himself and his family in Belarus. And in the process of trying to buy a house, he was overwhelmed with all of the bureaucracy and all of the corruption that he faced. And so he started to document it and publish it online. And this struck a deep chord in the nation. We've got the pigeon visiting us again. <laughs> um, yeah, he started publishing all these difficulties he encountered, and it really resonated with lots and lots of people. And so he began traveling around to document their stories as well, and he did this in a car on the side of which was written, Real News. And so his driving around and collecting these stories eventually turned into a political campaign where they wanted to see change in a nation that's often referred to as Europe's last dictatorship. The campaign grew in momentum and it obviously became a threat to the ruling government led by Alexander Lukashenko. And so Svetlana's husband was arrested and he still is in prison this morning. So it fell on Svetlana to continue. And she did. She continued running the campaign and one by one all opposition parties endorsed her and it was very clear that she was going to win. And then in 2020, the election was held and Lukashenko won 80% of the vote and it obviously was rigged. We might have complained about our Victorian politics, but to hear stories like this, it really puts it into perspective how privileged we are. And you might remember the story of, of the 2020 election in Belarus because afterwards there were massive, massive protests. Um, there were about one million people that joined in the protests, which is quite significant in a country of 10 million people. And the protest became so big that the Lukashenko government became quite oppressive and tyrannical, and a number of civilians were kidnapped and tortured, and then the whole thing died down because of the fear of the government and what would happen next. And so Svetlana fled Belarus with her two children and is now living in Lithuania where she still is campaigning for democracy and she has been nominated twice for the Nobel Peace Prize. But before she fled and while the protests were still ongoing, something incredible happened. It is a perfect picture of what Advent is all about. During the protests, some soldiers and police officers joined in. They realized and saw the corruption and the lies that defined the governments that they served. And as a symbol of their protest, they took off their uniforms and either threw them in the garbage or burnt them in fire. 
And this, in fact, became a viral social media act where hundreds of soldiers and police officers tore off their clothes and symbolically threw them away as an act of defiance to not participate in lies and deceit. And I say that this act is a perfect picture of Advent because Advent is the season where we ditch the lies and we commit to what is ultimately true. As we prayed in that traditional, very Anglican prayer for Advent, it is the time where we cast away or take off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Just like the Belarusian soldiers and police officers refuse to participate in the lies and the deceit of their ruler, so we Christians cast off everything that hinders us from serving our one and true ruler, our King Jesus. And we recommit and reaffirm that he is the Lord and that he will one day return to establish the eternal kingdom of God. Now, there is a lot of confusion and different ideas about Advent today. If you grew up in a traditional church, you might be aware of it as a distinct season. But I think most people there may not have grown up with it and certainly didn't really have it as a defined uh, season in the church. I think most of the mood around Advent today is that it's basically a countdown to Christmas. And we get this impression, of course, with the Advent calendars. You may have uh, one of those right now, or you may have grown up with them. Or we get it with the Advent wreath, which we um, had here, where we, every Sunday we light a new candle all the way to Christmas. Um, but for most of history, and in the earliest times since Advent was observed, like, yes, it was looking forward to Christmas and to the birth of Jesus, but first and foremost, it was looking forward to the second coming of Jesus. It was about the future reign of God. And we all are familiar with this teaching. We regularly declare in the Nicene Creed that Jesus will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. So in Advent, yes, we look forward to the first coming. We look forward to Christmas when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. But also, in addition, we look forward to the future coming of Jesus when he returns to establish the kingdom of God. And so I ask, are we ready for that day? Are we expecting it? And are we ready to cast off everything that is hindering us from living in anticipation of it. Well, this is what two of our readings today remind us of. These are the traditional readings for the first Sunday of Advent. A thousand years ago, this is what Christians read on the first Sunday in Advent. And the reading from Matthew reminds us of the first coming of Jesus into Jerusalem. Jesus entered the city like a humble and royal king. The purpose of him to go into the city was to give his life as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. He came not to be served, but to serve. Humility is what defined his first coming. But not so in the second coming. 
as we prayed, he will come again in his glorious majesty to judge the living and the dead. It will not be humility, but authority and majesty that defines the second coming. And so again, in this season, we ask ourselves, are we ready for that great day? Are we expecting it? And is Jesus alone our allegiance as we wait? Now, there are two great ironies with Advent and the themes of Advent and how they interact with the time we find ourselves in in December in our culture. And the first irony is that in Advent, we are supposed to look forward to eternity. We're supposed to value the life of heaven and not be distracted by the things on earth. But in our December cultural liturgies, it's the time where we get the most consumeristic and the most materialistic. Now, obviously, there's nothing wrong with shopping and gift-giving in itself. I love gifts, and I love giving gifts, and opening presents with family at Christmas, it's one of the most special times of the year. And if you want to get me Maltesers for Christmas, I am not going to stand in the way. But obviously, there is something wrong with greed and with coveting. And the shopping frenzy of December is somewhat influenced by greed. And we all know the Tenth Commandment, which Paul mentioned in his reading, you shall not covet. And yet it is in this next month, in this next season, that we become the most consumeristic of the whole year. I mentioned that Advent has become a countdown to Christmas, and I think it's, it was inevitable for that to happen because the market and the economy and the forces that shape it, um, they have a high stake in Advent needing to become about gifts. A few years ago, Tiffany's, the famous jewelry brand, they sold an Advent calendar worth almost $170,000. And so the idea is, we can't wait until Christmas where we give gifts to each other. While we wait, let's get a new gift every day just to help us till we get to the day where we can get more gifts. Now, I grew up with Advent calendars, and they were the best thing, and so I don't want to poo-poo these traditions, but how do these forces shape and form us? How do they disciple us and influence our character? When God tells us that we should not covet and that that's a part of human flourishing, how do the December liturgies around us shape us otherwise? Our society is sustained on the fact that we want more than we have. Two years ago when we were in the lockdown and our economy was just tanking and struggling, my wife Beth remarked to me, isn't it strange that when we only live of the things that we really need, food and shelter, our economy struggles and cannot sustain itself? And I will never forget that. While the forces in our culture shape and distract us in this time, the Advent liturgy calls us back to Jesus and reminds us what is really important. 
So how do we show our allegiance to Jesus these next few weeks? How do we get discipled by him and not by consumerism? And how do we, as we prayed, cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light? Well, we do it by practicing to be grateful. We do it by regularly praying prayers of thanksgiving and not just prayers of want. We do it by using our money to serve others and to support those who are poor, and not just by buying things for ourselves. And we do it not just by dreaming about one day maybe owning a house or starting that renovation in that next part of the house, but by looking forward, <laughs> by looking forward to our eternal home, the kingdom of God that Jesus will bring when he returns. As we prayed, this life is the mortal life. It's the temporary one. We wait for the next one, the life immortal. Now, the second great irony with Advent and how its traditional themes um, clashes with our cultural and December uh, themes is um, how the Advent themes are a bit different to the ones that we will hear as we go about our daily lives. And maybe you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you came to church today expecting to sing carols, to get into the Christmas cheer, and instead you're hearing prayers about darkness, and you're being warned to get ready for the return of Jesus. Instead of meeting that mild and infant, that mild infant and that non-threatening baby Jesus, you're told to shape up before the great judge and Lord of all. The traditional Advent themes, darkness, judgment, repentance, they really clash with the joy and peace and Christmas cheer and shop that we usually hear. But Advent is always relevant to us in a way that Christmas isn't. And that's because Advent is really the season of the whole Christian life. All other holy days that we observe are in the past. Christmas already happened. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Easter already happened. Jesus entered Jerusalem, was crucified, dead, and buried, and came to life again. And Pentecost also already happened. Jesus went into heaven and he sent the Holy Spirit to empower us and fill his church. In all these events, we look backwards. We look to the past. Only with Advent, we look forward and we wait for it yet to come. And that is our ultimate hope. When Jesus returns, it will be the only event that will fulfill our deepest longings, that will fulfill our deepest desires, and that will heal our deepest pains. And that is good news for us. Recently at Mary Creek, we had a lament service where we all brought our individual hurts and disappointments and complaints before God. And we all have those. We all have pain from broken relationships, from unfulfilled dreams, from the death of loved ones, 
and from living in a dying and failing body. In our culture in December, we, we prefer not to look at these things. We think it's the season of joy and cheer, but when we look under the surface, there is plenty of darkness as well. After all, it's in this season when retail workers face the most abuse. It's in these next few weeks when credit card debts skyrocket and will cripple individuals for the rest of their lives. And it's also in this season when family stress often boils over to tipping point. Under the surface, there is plenty of darkness. The Advent liturgy reminds us that the Christmas festivities are not going to save us. They are not going to fix what is wrong in this world. Only when Jesus returns will these things be solved. And I know this all too well. The last Christmas I had with my whole family in my childhood home was in 2015. And on all accounts, it was supposed to be a magical time because it had all the right ingredients. I was in my childhood home. I was in Switzerland, so it was winter in Christmas, the way it's supposed to be. It was snowing, and we had a chimney fire going, and everyone was there. But when I look back now, it was anything but magical. Not long before, my dad was dramatically fired from his job, and it was the beginning of a spiraling depression. The Christmas gathering started off well, but he had too much wine, and then started ending up fighting with my sister. And the night ended with her in tears, my mom crossed at my dad, and me regretting jumping on a plane to leave Melbourne just to come to this mess. Christmas cheer, Christmas festivities, they are not going to fix what is wrong in this world. Only when Jesus returns will it be fixed. And so in this time, as most of us already are busy with planning the 25th and looking forward to the gathering we have of our families, the worship in the church reminds us to look forward to a, a day further ahead in the future. On the 25th, human nature will still be the same. Your family members will still annoy you. We will still have unfulfilled dreams. Jealousies will still plague hearts. And families will still be broken. But we look forward to the day when the God who entered Bethlehem as a baby will return as a judge to confirm what is good and to establish a kingdom where all will flourish in harmony and peace. So I ask again, how are we to live in light of that day? How can we expect it and anticipate it and actually live that anticipation? Well, that's what Paul tells us in Romans. The metaphor he offers is that of taking off clothing and putting new ones on instead. He says, So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. 
we live as Advent people by putting on the Lord Jesus. We give him our allegiance above ourselves. And concretely, this means that we live as Advent people when we regularly come to church, when we regularly go to community group, open up the scriptures and pray together, and we put Jesus first in our lives and first in our week and not last. We live as Advent people when we regularly pray, your kingdom come, and we look for the kingdom of God and we live in light of its rules and demands already now. We live as Advent people of God when we are gracious and forgive those around us, especially those who annoy us, and we return their wrongdoing with kindness. And we live as Advent people when we hold on to the truth that Jesus is Lord, even if it costs us and um, demands sacrifices. Basically, we live as Advent people when we remain faithful followers of Jesus. So to finish off, we belong to Christ. He has claimed us for himself. He has freed us from the power of sin and from the powers that plague this world. And this is most clear in the fact that we are here this morning. We could be doing anything else on a Sunday morning, but we choose to find our joy and our life in God and in his word, and we give him together the worship and the praise that is his by right. Like the soldiers and the police officers in Belarus, we cast off our deeds of darkness and we put on the deeds of light. We believe and confess that Jesus is Lord and we follow him. We refuse to believe that we are lords and that we are saved by following our own hearts. And we look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come because on that day, all things will be made new. So let us put off the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light when that great judge and almighty Lord of all will return and will set all things right. And how good that that great and victorious judge is at the same time that meek and gentle baby who has died to save us from our sins. Amen.